Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. Contrary to popular belief, the primary call of Christ to his followers is more about being with him than doing things for him. When he comes along and he gives you an assignment, then the proper response is you give everything to do for him. But he's not always giving us an assignment that requires that. In fact, I think it would be possible to state that more times than not, the call of our Savior is come be with me as opposed to do for me. A follow-up truth point to number three, truth point number four says this, that the resources required to do anything for him come through being with him. I'm not wanting to put down doing for him because it is part of our walk with him. But the resources that we need to be able to do for him come with being with him. Listen, listen to me, church. Even the Lord Jesus Christ knew this to be true. How many times when we read the Gospels do we find him getting away from the busyness of ministry to spend extended times with the Father? He didn't just go, 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 do, meet, teach, heal, cast out demons, whatever the case may be. That wasn't all that he was doing. In fact, many times he's drawing away intentionally so that he can be refreshed, so that he can be renewed, so that he can have communion, and so that he can have the wherewithal to go out and do for. Each occurrence of the disciples doing a successful work for Jesus was preceded by spending time with Jesus. In case it's not clear, we are right now just comparing that doing for with being with. Question, what happens to a Christ follower or what happens when a Christ follower insists on doing for Jesus without being with Jesus first? Well, we find the lesson right here. Martha shows us three words, exhaustion, frustration, blame. When we insist on doing, which most of us seem to find ourselves in that boat. I don't know why it is, but it just seems like it's so much easier to just go and do than it does to set and be with. Maybe it's because we think that when we're setting being with, we're not accomplishing anything. But when we're doing, it's kind of like cutting your grass, right? When you're all done, you can see those nice straight lines. And for those of you who do the diagonal thing, you know, you can sit on your back porch, you can sip your tea, and you can say, wow, look what I've accomplished. It's such a satisfying, Beth knows all about it. She's over there laughing about it. It's such a satisfying thing. Martha shows us, though, what it's like for those who choose to do for without being with exhaustion, frustration, blame. Look at Martha's comments. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Tell her to get off of her blessed assurance and come in here and give me a hand. She didn't quite say that, but I don't think that hymn had been written yet. (laughs) But I want you to catch the following three missteps of Martha. Number one, notice she accuses Jesus of not caring. (laughs) That's fantastic. You know, this is her special guest. (laughs) This is the one she's doing all the work for. But in her exhaustion and her frustration, she comes accusing, Jesus, don't you care? And then secondly, she blames Mary 
She blames Mary for being at his feet and leaving her with all the work to be done. And then she follows up by demanding. She demands that Jesus, her guest, fix the problem. Accusation, blame, demand. That's what comes out of trying to do for without being with first. And friends, this is a scene that is repeated in almost every church of our community, including the mission church, where pastors, elders, deacons, and parishioners tend to do for Jesus without being with Jesus. And it probably explains why we see so little transformation in a realm where there are so many churches. Right here in our own little old community, there's over 450 churches. Man, you would think that this would be Eden. Spoiler alert, it's not. It's a great place. I love Des Moines, but it ain't Eden. And why is it the 450 churches of, of believers and followers of Christ aren't seeing more fruit than they are? Well, perhaps it's because they're busy doing religious things instead of taking the time to let the Holy Spirit, as they commune with Jesus, transform their lives and energize them before they go. Now, getting back to, to Martha, I want to be clear this morning that I'm absolutely confident that Martha's motives are pure. I mean, she wants to do for Jesus. And that's a good thing, isn't it? To want to do for someone, to want to serve someone. To want to make life a little bit better for someone, and especially when it comes to Jesus, wouldn't that be just, I mean, isn't that the right way to be? Well, that's a million-dollar question, really. And it takes a little bit more thought than we're usually wanting to put into it to answer it, because here's the deal. As we keep Martha in mind, it is a good thing if Jesus' primary expectation is that something be done for him. But what if his primary expectation is that we be with him? I have found both in the human realm and in the spiritual realm that we have a tendency to want to do for, even when those around us really, their primary expectation is not that we do for, but that we spend time with. And we think we're doing a great thing because we're doing for, when in all reality, they just want us to be with. I'm guilty, right? And if those around us, and Jesus in particular, if in a given moment in time the desire is to be with, but we keep doing for, then the question that has to be brought forward is, why are we doing that? What's all the work for? Could it be personal misplaced expectations that originate within us, that we elevate to be his or their expectations? Getting away from the spiritual for just a moment, this kind of scene that I'm talking about right now is repeated almost every Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, and Fourth of July, isn't it? Isn't it? It absolutely is. Now, usually it's mama. Mama. Mama wants to do. Mama wants everything to be perfect for her family. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. That's great, mamas. That's good. Great servant. Great servant heart. And so she sets herself to working nonstop. Anybody picturing a scene in their mind right now? She starts working nonstop. And what happens when she starts working nonstop? Eventually, she stops singing the Christmas carols, and she starts to get a little overwhelmed. And as she gets a little overwhelmed, the tendency for snippiness to arise happens. And out of the snippiness then leads to blame. Blame that the family isn't doing more to help me. 
Make all the preparations just right. And if the truth be told, which most of the time it's not, but I believe in truth in church. It gets me in trouble a lot of times. But if the truth be told, most of the time the family would rather mama just be with them than do for them. Like I said, that was a sidetrack. Getting back to Martha, we find Martha's in a tiff. She's wanting someone to fix a problem that only she can fix because in all, rea- all reality, it's a problem of her own making. Jesus says, Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many, many things. Yes, Jesus, I am. I'm anxious about the dusting and the changing of the sheets in the guest room and the mopping of the floor and the cleaning of the bathroom and the getting the roast in the oven and the potatoes peeled and the coconut cream pie baked and the pie of the plates are out and the silver is polished and the fingerprints are off of the glasses. Yes, I'm anxious about many things. I am anxious. And those are all good things. Those are all good things. But Jesus says, but one thing is necessary. You're anxious about a lot of stuff, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What is, what is that good portion Jesus is talking about? Almost universally, as you go out and read the Bible scholars and commentators, almost universally, the answer comes back. The good portion is simply being with Jesus to receive from him his word. That was the good portion she had chosen on that particular day, at that particular hour. Now, that's not to say that the other is bad. Often it is very necessary, but many times we take what is really necessary, time with Jesus, and we replace it with less necessary things like busyness. Um, Focus on the family. That's a trusted resource among Christians, isn't it? No? Y'all know something I don't? Has some kind of controversy raised recently? Oh, it is. Okay, good. I want you to listen to what Dr. James Dobson says about this issue of busyness. He puts it in the context of marriage, which is not what we're talking about here today, but the application is still there. Dobson says, overcommitment and exhaustion are the most insidious and pervasive marriage killers you will ever encounter as a couple. Overcommitment. Hello? I'm talking to quite a few folks here who are overly committed. Overcommit, which, which leads to exhaustion and snippiness and blame. In the same article that I got that quote from, uh, Les Parrott, who was actually the one writing the article, said this, busy people rarely give their best to the ones they love. They serve leftovers. The emotions and energy that remain after one's primary attention has already been given to others. Ow, that hurt. That's personal. Too drained, too tired, too preoccupied. They fail to give their loved ones the attention they deserve. And a marriage cannot survive on leftovers forever. Now, like I said, my sermon today is not about marriage. And marriage is more than what's at stake. Now, we can take those, and if that applies, if the shoe fits, wear it, right? But there's more at stake here today than just our marriages. And my point in reading those is this, that if... If those things are true of our horizontal relationship, how much more true are they of our vertical relationship with Christ? I wonder how many of us serve Jesus' leftovers, if we serve him anything at all. 
Ooh, Pastor, you're trying to throw a guilt trip on us. No, 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 no. Hey, I had, to, I had to deal with this all week before I brought it to you. So you get one hour, I had to do it for 25. All of this stuff applies to me. It's all where we are. Leftovers, if anything at all. You know, service is a good thing. Service is a godly thing. In fact, one of the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church is the gift of helps. But we must remember that Christian service is not fueled by fleshly desires, no matter how noble those desires may be. To be effective in doing for Jesus, we must of first priority and with regularity be with Jesus. If you want a takeaway today, here it is. Being with is what energizes doing for. Being with is what energizes doing for. Communion servers, if you would take your places, please. Now, this, this issue of being with and doing for is something that Jesus understood perfectly. And it's something in his own life that he made a priority. He made it a priority to be with the Father in order to have the wherewithal to do for the Father. And the Scripture teaches us that Jesus came to do a work for the Father, one that was designed before the foundation of the world, and that was to be the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.